0: Section 11 of the Works of Edgar Allan Poe, Raven Edition, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephanie Heinrichs. The Works of Edgar Allan Poe, Raven Edition, Volume 3. By Edgar Allan Poe. Narrative of A. Gordon Pym, Chapter 11 we spent the remainder of the day in a condition of stupid lethargy gazing after the retreating vessel until the darkness hiding her from our sight recalled us in some measure to our senses the pangs of hunger and thirst then returned absorbing all other cares and considerations nothing however could be done until the morning and securing ourselves as well as possible we endeavored to snatch a little repose In this I succeeded beyond my expectations, sleeping until my companions, who had not been so fortunate, aroused me at daybreak to renew our attempts at getting up provisions from the hull. It was now a dead calm with the sea, as smooth as have ever known it, the weather warm and pleasant. The brig was out of sight. We commenced our operations by wrenching off, with some trouble, another of the four chains, and, having fastened both to Peter's feet, he again made an endeavour to reach the door of the storeroom, thinking it possible that he might be able to force it open, provided he could get at it in sufficient time, and this he hoped to do as the hull lay much more steadily than before. He succeeded very quickly in reaching the door when, loosening one of the chains from his ankle, he made every exertion to force the passage with it, but in vain, the framework of the room being far stronger than was anticipated he was quite exhausted with his long stay under water, and it became absolutely necessary that some other one of us should take his place. For this service Parker immediately volunteered, but, after making three ineffectual efforts, found that he could never even succeed in getting near the door. The condition of Augustus's wounded arm rendered it useless for him to attempt going down, as he would be unable to force the room open should he reach it, and it accordingly now devolved upon me to exert myself for a common deliverance. Peters had left one of the chains in the passage, and I found upon plunging in that I had not sufficient balance to keep me firmly down. I determined therefore to attempt no more my first effort than merely to recover the other chain. In groping along the floor of the passage for this, I felt a hard substance which I immediately grasped, not having time to ascertain what it was, but returning and ascending instantly to the surface. The prize proved to be a bottle, and our joy may be conceived when I say that it was found to be full of port wine. Giving thanks to God for this timely and cheering assistance, we immediately drew the cork with my penknife, and each taking a moderate sup, felt the most indescribable comfort from the warmth, strength, and spirits with which it inspired us. We then carefully re the bottle, and, by means of a handkerchief, swung it in such a manner that there was no possibility of its getting broken. Having rested a while after this fortunate discovery, I again descended and now recovered the chain with which I instantly came up. I then fastened it on and went down for the third time, when I became fully satisfied that no exertions whatever in that situation would enable me to force open the door of the storeroom. room I therefore returned in despair. There seemed now to be no longer any room for hope, and I could perceive in the countenances of my companions that they had made up their minds to perish. The wine had evidently produced in them a species of delirium, which perhaps I had been prevented from feeling by the immersion I had undergone since drinking it. They talked incoherently, and about matters unconnected with our condition— Peters repeatedly asking me questions about Nantucket. Augustus, too, I remember, approached me with a serious air and requested me to lend him a pocket-comb, as his hair was full of fish-scales, and he wished to get them out before going on shore. Parker appeared somewhat less affected, and urged me to dive at random into the cabin and bring up any article which might come to hand. To this I consented, and in the first attempt, after staying under a full minute— brought up a small leather trunk belonging to captain bernard this was immediately opened in the faint hope that it might contain something to eat or drink we found nothing however except a box of razors and two linen shirts i now went down again and returned without any success as my head came above water i heard a crash on deck and upon getting up saw that my companions had ungratefully taken advantage of my absence to drink the remainder of the wine having let the bottle fall in the endeavour to replace it before I saw them. I remonstrated with them on the heartlessness of their conduct, when Augustus burst into tears. The other two endeavoured to laugh the matter off as a joke, but I hope never again to behold laughter of such a species; the distortion of countenance was absolutely frightful. Indeed it was apparent that the stimulus in the empty state of their stomachs had taken instant and violent effect, and that they were all exceedingly intoxicated. With great difficulty I prevailed upon them to lie down, when they fell very soon into a heavy slumber, accompanied with loud, stertorous breathing. I now found myself, as it were, alone in the brig, and my reflections, to be sure, were of the most fearful and gloomy nature. No prospect offered itself to my view but a lingering death by famine, or at the best by being overwhelmed in the first gale which should spring up for in our present exhausted condition we could have no hope of living through another the gnawing hunger which i now experienced was nearly insupportable and i felt myself capable of going to any lengths in order to appease it with my knife i cut off a small portion of the leather trunk and endeavoured to eat it but found it utterly impossible to swallow a single morsel although i fancied that some little alleviation of my suffering was obtained by chewing small pieces of it and spitting them out toward night my companions awoke one by one each in an indescribable state of weakness and horror brought on by the wine whose fumes had now evaporated they shook as if with a violent ague and uttered the most lamentable cries for water their condition affected me in the most lively degree at the same time causing me to rejoice in the fortunate train of circumstances which had prevented me from indulging in the wine, and consequently from sharing their melancholy and most distressing sensations. Their conduct, however, gave me great uneasiness and alarm, for it was evident that, unless some favourable change took place, they could afford me no assistance in providing for a common safety. I had not yet abandoned all idea being able to get up something from below— but the attempt could not possibly be resumed until some one of them was sufficiently master of himself to aid me by holding the end of the rope while i went down parker appeared to be somewhat more in possession of his senses than the others and i endeavoured by every means in my power to rouse him thinking that a plunge in the sea-water might have a beneficial effect i contrived to fasten the end of a rope around his body and then leading him to the companion-way he remaining quite passive all the while pushed him in, and immediately drew him out. I had good reason to congratulate myself upon having made this experiment, for he appeared much revived and invigorated, and upon getting out asked me, in a rational manner, why I had so served him. Having explained my object, he expressed himself indebted to me, and said that he felt greatly better from the immersion, afterward conversing sensibly upon our situation. We then resolved to treat Augustus and Peterson the same way, which we immediately did, when they both experienced much benefit from the shock. This idea of sudden immersion had been suggested to me by reading in some medical work the good effect of the shower-bath in a case where the patient was suffering from mania apart partu Finding that I could now trust my companions to hold the end of the rope, I again made three or four plunges into the cabin, although it was now quite dark, and a gentle but long swell from the northward rendered the hulk somewhat unsteady. In the course of these attempts I succeeded in bringing up two case-knives, a three-gallon jug, empty, and a blanket, but nothing which could serve us for food. I continued my efforts after getting these articles until I was completely exhausted, but brought up nothing else. During the night Parker and Peters occupied themselves by turns in the same manner, but nothing coming to hand, we now gave up this attempt in despair, concluding that we were exhausting ourselves in vain." we passed the remainder of this night in a state of the most intense mental and bodily anguish that can possibly be imagined the morning of the sixteenth at length dawned and we looked eagerly around the horizon for relief but to no purpose the sea was still smooth with only a long swell from the northward as on yesterday this was the sixth day since we had tasted either food or drink with the exception of the bottle of port wine it was clear that we could hold out but a very little while longer, unless something could be obtained. I never saw nor wished to see again human beings so utterly emaciated as Peters and Augustus. Had I met them on shore in their present condition, I should not have had the slightest suspicion that I had ever beheld them. Their countenances were totally changed in character, So that i could not bring myself to believe them really the same individuals with whom i had been in company but a few days before parker although sadly reduced and so feeble that he could not raise his head from his bosom was not so far gone as the other two he suffered with great patience making no complaint and endeavouring to inspire us with hope in every manner he could devise for myself although at the commencement of the voyage i had been in bad health and was at all times of a delicate constitution, I suffered less than any of us, being much less reduced in frame, and retaining my powers of mind in a surprising degree, while the rest were completely prostrated in intellect, and seemed to be brought to a species of second childhood, generally simpering in their expressions, with idiotic smiles, and uttering the most absurd platitudes.' At intervals, however, they would appear to revive suddenly, as if inspired all at once with a consciousness of the condition, when they would spring upon their feet in a momentary flash of vigour, and speak for a short period of their prospects in a manner altogether rational, although full of the most intense despair. It is possible, however, that my companions may have entertained the same opinion of their own condition as I did of mine, and that i may have unwittingly been guilty of the same extravagances and imbecilities as themselves this is a matter which cannot be determined about noon parker declared that he saw land of the larboard quarter and it was with the utmost difficulty i could restrain him from plunging into the sea with the view of swimming toward it peters and augustus took little notice of what he said being apparently wrapped up in moody contemplation Upon looking in the direction pointed out, I could not perceive the faintest appearance of the shore. Indeed, I was too well aware that we were far from any land to indulge in a hope of that nature. It was a long time, nevertheless, before I could convince Parker of his mistake. He then burst into a flood of tears, weeping like a child, with loud cries and sobs for two or three hours. When becoming exhausted, he fell asleep. Peters and Augustus now made several ineffectual efforts to swallow portions of the leather. I advised them to chew it and spit it out, but they were too excessively debilitated to be able to follow my advice. I continued to chew pieces of it at intervals, and found some relief from so doing. My chief distress was for water, and I was only prevented from taking a draught from the sea by remembering the horrible consequences which thus have resulted to others— were similarly situated with ourselves the day wore on in this manner when i suddenly discovered a sail to the eastward and on our larboard bow she appeared to be a large ship and was coming nearly athwart us being probably twelve or fifteen miles distant none of my companions had as yet discovered her and i forbore to tell them of her for the present lest we might again be disappointed of relief At length upon her getting nearer I saw distinctly that she was heading immediately for us, with her light sails filled. I could now contain myself no longer, and pointed her out to my fellow sufferers. They immediately sprang to their feet, again indulging in the most extravagant demonstrations of joy, weeping, laughing in an idiotic manner, jumping, stamping upon the deck, tearing their hair and praying and cursing by turns. I was so affected by their conduct— as well as by what I considered a sure prospect of deliverance, that I could not refrain from joining in with their madness, and gave way to the impulses of my gratitude and ecstasy by lying and rolling on the deck, clapping my hands, shouting, and other similar acts, until I was suddenly called to my recollection, and once more to the extreme human misery and despair by perceiving the ship all at once, with her stern fully presented toward us, and staring in a direction nearly opposite to that in which I had at first perceived her. It was some time before I could induce my poor companions to believe that this sad reverse in our prospects had actually taken place. They replied to all my assertions with a stare and a gesture, implying that they were not to be deceived by such misrepresentations. The conduct of Augustus most sensibly affected me. In spite of all I could say or do to the contrary, he persisted in saying that the ship was rapidly nearing us, and in making preparations to go on board of her. Some seaweed floating by the brig, he maintained that it was the ship's boat, and endeavoured to throw himself upon it, howling and shrieking in the most heart-running manner, when I forcibly restrained him from thus casting himself into the sea. Having become in some degree pacified, we continued to watch the ship until we finally lost sight of her, THE WEATHER BECOMING HAZY, WITH A LIGHT BREEZE BRINGING UP. AS SOON AS SHE WAS ENTIRELY GONE, PARKER TURNED SUDDENLY TOWARD ME WITH AN EXPRESSION OF COUNTENANCE WHICH MADE ME SHUDDER. THERE WAS ABOUT HIM AN AIR OF SELF-POSSESSION WHICH I HAD NOT NOTICED IN HIM UNTIL NOW, AND BEFORE HE OPENED HIS LIPS MY HEART TOLD ME WHAT HE WOULD SAY. HE PROPOSED IN A FEW WORDS THAT ONE OF US SHOULD DIE TO PRESERVE THE EXISTENCE OF THE OTHERS. End of section 11, recording by Stephanie Heinrichs.